0: How many can say amen? Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Colossians, chapter one, Colossians, chapter one, we're going to be looking at verses 15 through 22 this morning, Colossians, chapter one, this morning, we're going to finish up our three part series that we started a few weeks ago, titled Who is Jesus? Who is? is jesus i'm in the gospel of matthew chapter 16 we read of an occasion when jesus was in the region of caesarea philippi with his disciples and as jesus was in this region there in the northern area of israel jesus asked his disciples a very profound question he asked them who do man say that i the son of man am who do people say that, that I am the disciples? They responded. Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah, others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then the Lord responded to them and he took the question like to the, the next level. And he said, but who do you say that I am? Who do the people say I am? But who do you say? That I am, you know, the the two most important questions you will be ever asked to answer in life are who is Jesus Christ and do you know him? Who is Jesus Christ and do you know him? Upon these two questions, everything hangs upon them. Salvation, forgiveness, eternal life, heaven, hell, abundant life. You cannot be wrong about Jesus and be right with God. Amen. You cannot be wrong about Jesus. Your your view concerning Jesus cannot be wrong and you be right with God. Everything hangs upon our understanding of who Christ is and if we have a personal relationship with him and so because of the importance of these questions for the past few weeks we have been seeking to give a a biblical answer to the question who is Jesus who is Jesus and and really to answer this question we've been examining a, a portion of scripture here in Colossians Chapter one, verses 15 through 25. You see, um, at the church in, in Colossia, there were false teachers who were invading the church, invading the brethren, and they were teaching another Jesus. They were spreading destructive heresy, false teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul, he writes the church this letter and one of the main things he wants to address is who is jesus paul wants to bring clarity accuracy and truth concerning the person of jesus christ and really in verse 15 through 22 under the inspiration of the holy spirit paul gives us one of the most profound and precise An accurate description of Jesus Christ found in the entire Bible. And we've been examining these verses and and so far we've we've learned three things concerning who Jesus is. Let's cover them briefly by way of review. The, The first thing we learned is that Jesus is God. How many can say amen to that? You know, a lot of people don't believe that. A lot of people deny that. But this morning on the authority of the word of God, I can boldly and without a doubt say Jesus is God. Fully God. And Paul tells us that in verse 15, he says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the Lord Jesus is fully God and fully man. Hundred percent God, hundred percent man, the God man, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The second thing we learned is found in verse 16. Paul not only says that Jesus is God, but he also says Jesus is creator. How many could say amen to that? He says, for by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And so Jesus is God. And so naturally, because he is God, he is creator of all things. Amen. Amen. And I love what Paul says. He says everything was created by Christ. He planned it all. Everything was created through Christ. He produced it all and everything was created for Christ. He created it for his good pleasure. Jesus is the purpose of creation. Why why do you exist? Why are you here this morning? Why do you live for Jesus? Jesus for the glory of Christ. You were created for Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, this, this week, I had an opportunity. The Lord opened up a door and I went to Cathedral City High School and I had the opportunity to share with about 50 or 60 high school students in Cathedral City High School during lunchtime. What an opportunity, huh? And the, the teacher just kind of said, hey, come on in. We're expecting you. We we're happy to have you here. I was saying, wow. Hey, man. And I only had about five or ten minutes to share with, with the students. But one of the main things I told them is, young person, you were created for Jesus. Find your purpose in Christ. Don't waste your life, but live for Jesus. Because many are going through life. Not knowing the purpose, not knowing why they're here. And yet the Bible tells us, teaches us, proclaims to us that the purpose is Jesus. And this morning, if you're not serving Jesus, if you're not submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ, you're living without purpose. You're living without purpose because only Jesus can bring purpose. Amen. Amen. No, all of us can admit that before we came to Christ, we were living without purpose. That's why all of us were so empty inside. But the moment we gave our life to Jesus and the moment we submitted to his lordship for the very first time, we experienced purpose. You want to know something? Jesus brings purpose to every day. Amen. Jesus makes life worth living, and it's because he's the creator. He's God, but he also is the creator. Um, The third thing Paul tells us is found in verse 17. He says that not only is Jesus God, not only is Jesus the creator, but Jesus is the sustainer. He sustains everything he created. Verse 17 and he is before all things. And in him, all things consist in him. All things hold together. And so we've learned so far that Jesus is God, that Jesus is creator and Jesus is sustainer. Now, this morning, we're going to continue and, and we're going to finish up our study and we're going to look at two more truths concerning Jesus Christ. And so let's begin. If you have your Bibles open, Colossians chapter one, we're going to begin in verse 18. And I would encourage you if you have a, a pen, a paper, a journal, a notebook, a piece of paper, take notes this morning. Every time you come to church, let me just give you a little tip. Okay. How many of you guys want a little tip this morning? Forget the cell phone. Leave the cell phone at home. All right? Leave the cell phone at home. Bring the Bible. Bring a pen. And bring a journal or a notebook. Amen? Amen? Forget the cell phone. You don't need the cell phone unless you're a doctor or a, a fireman. And if you are, man, God bless you. You are a, an asset to our community. But if you're not that, you know, leave the cell phone at home. Bring the Bible. Bring the journal, bring a pen or or, or pencil and be prepared to take notes. Now, why do I tell you that? And why do we always tell you that? Because we need to be students of the word. We have to be students. And and you need to understand that God wants to speak to you this morning. And it's worth writing down. It's worth writing down. You know, understand if I said I got the the winning number to the lottery and I want to give it to you. Everybody is going to write it down. But this morning, God says, I have something better. I got some spiritual food that is going to enrich you. That's going to make you spiritually rich. And it's sad, but very few want to write it down. And, and, and they wonder why they're not growing. And so Bible, journal, paper, pen or pencil. Amen. Let's begin. I just had to say that. I'm always going to say that. You know what I mean? That, that that's something that the Lord just has built into me every time I share the word. So so let's look at, at the fourth thing. Who is Jesus? The fourth thing we, we learn concerning Christ is that Jesus is Lord. Let me say that again. Not too not too much excitement. You know, Jesus is Lord, Amen. Verse eighteen. Look at what Paul says, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. So the fourth thing that Paul tells us concerning Christ is that he is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Now really that this point this truth it follows from the third truth that we looked at last week you see jesus he rules over all that he sustains jesus is lord over all he governs he controls he directs he sustains he rules over everything Jesus is Lord over all. In, in Acts chapter 10, verse 36, Peter said these words to Cornelius and his household. He said, the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. And this is what Peter declared. Jesus is Lord of Jesus is Lord of all. Now, why is that so profound? It's because Cornelius was a Gentile and he was a Roman Gentile. He he was a, a, a centurion in the army of Rome. And so Cornelius, ever since he was small, he heard that Caesar was Lord not anyone else since he was young as a a Roman citizen and and when he was in the army all he heard over and over and over and over again was that Caesar was Lord that Caesar was curious Lord absolute and Peter this humble fisherman he, he came and he said you know what you got it all wrong You've heard wrong, you were taught wrong, you were instructed wrong, you were lied to. Caesar is not Lord, Jesus is Lord. And he's not simply Lord over a region, over an empire, he's Lord over all. He's Lord over all creation, he's Lord over all nature, he's Lord over all disease he's lord over all death he's lord over all the angelic race over all the human race over all the animal kingdom over the plant life over the sea life jesus is lord over all amen let let, let me give you briefly a a definition of what we mean when we say jesus is lord you know We say that phrase a lot, you know, the Lord Jesus, Jesus is Lord. You know, we, especially in Spanish, you know, Señor Jesús, Jesús es Señor. But do we understand what we're saying? You know, a lot of times we we think, well, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, Lord is just the first name. Jesus is the middle and and Christ is the last name. And, And we're saying these titles, these terms, and a lot of times we don't even know what they mean. And and how embarrassing is that that we're saying something that we don't even know what it means. But but let me give you a definition of what we mean when I say Jesus is Lord. What we're saying is that Jesus is the supreme and absolute ruler over all creation, invisible, invisible, that he possesses all the power. All the wisdom and all the control, and one day he's gonna judge all the living and all the dead. That's what we mean when we say Jesus is Lord. We're, we're saying that he's the supreme, he's the absolute ruler over all creation, that he possesses all the power, all the wisdom, all the control to govern his creation, and one day he's gonna judge his creation. Jesus is Lord. You know, in the New Testament, it says a lot about the lordship of Jesus Christ. That is a a very popular theme in the New Testament. You see, the writers, the apostles, they wanted us to understand unequivocally, without a doubt, that Jesus is Lord. Now, you got to remember the context When they were writing, you know, they were writing during the the Roman Empire era. And so everybody in the region, everybody in the world, when they thought of Lord and when they thought of a lordship right away, they thought of Caesar that was just built that was engrafted in them. But these apostles, these these followers of Christ. As they were writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to a Roman world, you might say one of the things they wanted to emphasize that not Caesar is Lord, but Jesus is Lord. And so because of that, in the New Testament, in the writings, we see the term Lord used approximately 84 times to refer to. To Jesus Christ um, in Ephesians 1 3 blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ 2 Peter three eighteen. but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Jude 21 keep yourself in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life over and over verse after verse The New Testament writers are constantly recognizing and proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord. They didn't want to leave any doubt that Jesus is kurios. Kurios is the Greek word for Lord. And it speaks of a supreme and absolute ruler. Someone who has control power over all creation jesus is lord and paul as he's writing to the colossians and as he trying to bring clarity to who jesus is he tells the church and he tells us this morning that jesus christ is lord you know and it's interesting but here in colossians 1 Paul tells us, though, specifically that Jesus is Lord over creation. Yes, but he also tells us, and I don't think it's by coincidence that he's also Lord over the church. Jesus is Lord over everything, over the physical creation. But he's also Lord over the spiritual creation that he has done, the church The body of Christ. And I want to briefly talk about this quickly. Uh, First, Jesus is Lord over creation. Um, Look with me, verse 15, Colossians chapter 1. I promised you that we were going to get back at this verse. And here I am keeping my promise. Amen. (laughs) Jesus is Lord over creation. Verse 15, the last half of the verse, Paul says... That Jesus Christ is the firstborn over all creation. Now, when you read that for the first time, you know, at first glance, um, the verse seems to be a little problematic. It, it, there seems to be a problem with that verse. You know, Jesus is firstborn over all creation. You know, what, what does that mean? Does that mean that he was created Does that mean that there was a time where he didn't exist? You know, the the cults, if you've ever had a knock at your door, this is one of the first verses they are going to point out to you. They, They love this verse. They love to point it out to Christians and they love to say, see, Jesus is called the firstborn. So that means he was created and that means he was part of creation many of you have ever experienced talking to a cult verse 15 it's true but this is what they fail to understand that they're misinterpreting the verse and the truth is cults misinterpret many verses concerning the lord jesus christ and this is one of the biggest mistakes that cults make they fail to understand the context Of the verse and they fail to understand the Jewish Old Testament background of the verse. In other words, when they read the scriptures, they're reading it through the lens of a 21st century American citizen. And they're failing to remember that it was written by Jewish men who had a Jewish background. And that's one of the biggest mistakes that cults make. They misinterpret the verses. They take it out of context and they fail to understand the Jewish background behind it. The scriptures are very (laughs) Jewishy. You understand what I'm saying? They were written by Jews, except for a few books. But the majority were written by Jews. And, And so They misinterpret this verse and they say, "Well, see, Jesus, he's a created being. He's part of creation. Now, now let me just point this out to you before we talk about what Paul was saying. In verse 16, the, the very next verse, Paul tells us that Jesus created all things. So it's impossible to say that Jesus is a created being. Paul says Jesus created all things, and so Jesus he could not have created himself. Understand. That's so so the immediate context teaches us that whatever Paul means, he doesn't mean that Jesus was a created being. Because he tells us he created all things and it's impossible for someone to create themselves, because you have to exist to create. Amen. It's like I, I heard a joke once about Chuck Norris, and the joke was that Chuck Norris built the house that he was born at. Now some of you probably didn't get that, but that's an impossibility. You can't build the house that you were born. You can't create unless you already exist. And so for sure, we know by the context, Paul doesn't mean that Jesus was the first created being or that he's a created being because he tells us that Jesus created all things and you can't create yourself. So, So what does Paul mean? When he says Jesus is the firstborn over all creation, he is saying that Jesus is Lord over all creation. That's the interpretation. You see, the word firstborn, it's not a reference to time, but it's a reference to position. And I want you to remember that it's not a reference to time. It's a reference to position. Paul could have used two words in the Greek. To use for firstborn. And the word he used. Prototokos. It carries the idea of. A position of preeminence. Supremacy. And superiority. It's Paul saying. That Christ is Lord. That Christ has the highest position. That Christ is preeminent. Over all creation. Paul Paul had an option to use two words. He could have used a word that says Christ is the first of creation, or he could have used a word that is a reference that Christ has all the authority over creation, that he's Lord over creation. And that's the word he used. So so when Paul says that Christ is the firstborn over all creation, Paul wants us to understand that Jesus is preeminent, supreme and superior over all creation. Jesus is Lord over all. He wasn't created, but he created all things and he rules, he governs, he controls all things. And and even to, to, Take it to the next level. In all actuality, when Paul says that Christ is the firstborn over all creation, Paul was actually making reference to a messianic psalm in Psalm 89, verse 27, where in the context, speaking of Messiah, God says, I will make him my firstborn, the highest. Of the kings of the earth. And so in the context firstborn was a messianic term and really it means to be the highest of all the kings it means to be Lord over all listen to this it's an Old Testament way it's a Jewish way in the context to say that Jesus is king of kings and Lord of Lord that's what Paul Is trying to say that is the the, the interpretation of that verse that Jesus is preeminent, supreme, superior, Lord over all creation. Listen to this family. It doesn't get any greater or higher than Jesus Christ. There's no higher position. There's no greater position than Jesus Christ. You can't get higher you you can't worship or serve anything or anyone higher than Christ. It it doesn't get any higher than Jesus. He's Lord over all. He's supreme. He's He's the firstborn, the the highest of all the kings. He's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. That that doesn't get any greater. You can't dedicate your life to anything greater. Than Jesus. You know what I'm saying? It's sad, but, but people dedicate to their lives to things that are low. To things that are small. Why not shoot higher? Jesus. You know, and especially those who say, well, I, I worship the stars. You know, I, I worship nature. You know, the, the pantheist, the, the avatar, gurus. <laughs> Aim higher than creation serve the creator worship the creator the lord jesus christ he's lord of all and it doesn't get any higher it doesn't get any greater and and listen to this the bible promises us that one day every knee will bow before christ and every tongue will confess that jesus is lord ephesians chapter 2 Verse 9 through 11. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every other name that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of those in heaven, of those on earth and of those under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. One day, every knee will bow every tongue will confess and this is the question for all those who are here and for those who might be listening to this message or watching this message one day everyone will recognize the lordship of christ but the question is will you do it now on your own free will or will you wait until that day where you are forced to do it have you done it yet This morning, is Jesus Lord over your life? Now, you don't make Jesus Lord. He's already Lord. But what you do is you recognize and you submit and you acknowledge his lordship. And this morning, if you haven't done it yet, you will do it. And when you do it, I hope and I pray that you remember this morning's sermon. because That's going to make it a lot worse for you. That's going to add to your torment because you knew the truth. You heard the truth, and yet you still ignored it and rejected it. Don't wait until that day when you're forced. Do it today on your own free will because Jesus, Jesus is Lord. Amen. Over creation. Now, the second thing Paul tells us. Is not only is he Lord over creation, but but I, I like this. He he talks about the spiritual creation that the Lord has created, the, the, the church, his body. Paul tells us that Jesus is Lord over the church. Look with me. Verse 18. Paul says that Jesus is the head of the body, the church, that in all things he may have the preeminence. That Jesus is the head of the church. Um, what does that mean? That, that simply means that he's Lord over the church, that Jesus is directing, governing, controlling all things in his church. Jesus is not in a supportive role, but he's in the supreme role in the church. Jesus, he's the head of the church. He's the Lord of the church. The church It finds its origin in Christ, its life in Christ, its purpose in Christ. And the chief goal of the church is to glorify Christ, not a member of the church or not a pastor or leader of the church. But Jesus is head and Lord of the church. You know, um, I'll be honest with you guys. I'm not. The biggest fan of of denominations and and movements, I understand that they're just a part of of what the Lord's doing. And and I have no problem submitting with them and and going along with um, certain movements or denominations in agreement with them. But the truth is, it's all about Jesus at the end of the day. You're not serving a church, you're not serving a movement, you're not serving a denomination, you're you're serving the head of the church. The Lord Jesus Christ, as we gather as the body, as we come to church, it's all about Jesus. It's all for Jesus, it's all unto Jesus. This morning we have come to get to know Jesus. This morning we have come to glorify Jesus. This morning we have come. To lift up our hands. And to worship Jesus. This morning we have come. To serve Jesus. This morning we've come to fall more. In love with Jesus. This morning we've come. To seek Jesus. This morning we've come. To hear from Jesus. This morning we've come. To receive from Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Church is all about Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. That's why we gather. That's why we get up. That's why we get ready. That's why we bring our Bibles. It's Jesus, Jesus, the head, the Lord. And this morning, he has to have preeminence in our gathering, in our meeting. It must revolve around him. Everything we do must revolve around Jesus in the church. Everything, whether it's the worship, whether it's the study, whether it's the prayers, whether it's it's, um, the petitions, the needs, the announcements, the activities, it must revolve around Jesus because he's the head, he's the Lord, and if we, we, we don't, Focus on him, and if we don't keep him center and priority, then we're disobeying scripture. Straight up, <laughs> as I used to say back in the days, we're disobeying scripture. You know, a lot of people gather to church and they talk about everything else but Jesus. They, they like to talk about a movement or a feeling or, or whatnot, but the truth is, a spirit filled church will be a church that Jesus is the center of attention. Because the Lord Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will testify concerning me. He's going to teach you about me. He's going to guide you into all truth concerning me. He's going to draw you. He's going to bring you to me. He's going to prepare your hearts and your minds for me. He's going to apply my work upon your hearts. But but really, the Holy Spirit, his ministry is to draw us to Christ, to bring us to Christ. So so where is it that the Holy Spirit is ministering, working the most? When Jesus is the center of attention. When the Savior is is lifted up. Amen. What did the Lord say? He said, I'm going to be lifted up and and all men are going to come to me. I will draw all men to myself. He's Lord. He's head of the church. And and as we gather, he has to be preeminent. He has to be first. He has to be the focus. Listen, the Lord takes the lead, and all of us just, just follow in the background. We play the background, and the Lord takes the lead this morning how many could say amen to that he's he's lord he's lord of the church now now i don't want to to miss this and i don't want you to miss this and i don't know if you're gonna like this but i gotta share it (laughs) jesus is lord over the church amen he's head we just read that therefore if you're a member of the church if you're a part of the body of christ That means he's Lord over you. Jesus is Lord over the church. And so if you've been baptized into the body of Christ, the church by the Holy Spirit, that means Jesus is Lord over you. He is the exalted head, the supreme master and the absolute ruler over your life. If you're a member of the church of Jesus Christ, you are but his slave his servant and his subject you are under the lordship of Jesus Christ if this morning you confess to be a born again believer a member of the church of Christ you're under his lordship now now if that's the case that means that Jesus he has to have first place in priority in every aspect of our lives if you're a believer born again submitted to Christ Jesus must be first in your life he must be first if if he's your Lord if he's your savior he has to be first in your family in your marriage in your profession your work your ministry your worship your time your money Your conversation, your pleasures, things you watch, things you hear, the things you do, everything must revolve around Jesus. If you're a member of the church, if you're a part of the body of Christ, if you're born again by the spirit of God to be a follower of Christ. It means to be submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. To be a follower of Christ, it means that you renounce your rights of lordship and you accept Jesus as Lord over your life. And Jesus, he has every right to demand anything from your life. If you're a believer this morning, if you're a follower of Christ, born again by the spirit of God, Jesus has the right to demand anything. Anything from your life, anything, anything. You must be willing to go wherever he wants you to go. No complaints, no thinking twice. You must be willing to give whatever he asks you to give. You must be willing to do whatever he requires you to do. If you're a believer, a follower of Christ, born again by the spirit of christ your life is completely submitted to the lordship of jesus christ your entire life must be dedicated to submitting to him obeying him serving him and worshiping him if he is lord and he cannot be your savior if he is not your lord because you can't serve two masters amen And and, and the truth is, the Bible teaches us that everyone serves something or someone. You either serve yourself. You might serve money. You might serve worldly pleasures. Or you might serve the king of kings and the lord of lords. But the truth is, everyone serves something. And why not serve the lord? Man, he's... A generous, loving, kind, faithful, fair Lord. He'll treat you so much better than you even treat yourself. Get to know him as Lord. Submit to his lordship for he is Lord. And you don't make him Lord. You just recognize and acknowledge what he already is. How many can say amen? So so the fourth thing, Jesus is Lord. Let's look at the final point, and we're going to end with this. This is actually going to conclude our series, our study. The last thing we want to look at, who Jesus is, God, creator, sustainer, Lord. Lastly, Jesus is Savior. Jesus is Savior. Um, Read with me verses 19 through 22. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having he made peace through the blood of his cross? And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his Sight. so the fifth and final thing we want to look at concerning who jesus is is that paul tells us jesus is savior jesus christ is savior now i want to qualify this statement and i want to say this not only is jesus savior but jesus is the only savior understand okay he's savior but he's the only savior he's the only one who can bring salvation and deliverance to sinful mankind acts 412 nor is there any nor is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among man by what by which we must be saved only the name of jesus christ has been given to man by which We must be saved. So so Jesus is Savior, but he's the only Savior. And all of mankind desperately needs a Savior. Amen. All mankind needs a Savior. Someone to deliver and rescue them from the penalty and power of sin that everyone finds themselves under. Listen to this. All mankind has a serious problem, and that serious problem is sin. They've broken the law of God. They've fallen short of the glory of the standard of God, and and they fail to do what they know they're supposed to do. Sin, falling short, missing the mark. Everyone is a sinner. Everyone falls into that category, and because of that, they have a serious problem. Now now sin, it has many consequences, and, and some of them are as follows. Sin separates us from God. Sin makes us hostile towards God. Sin causes us to be the object of God's wrath. Search the scriptures, study the scriptures. And you will know that God personally hates sin. He despises sin. Sin is a stench in the very nostrils of God. And so because of our sin, we're separated from God. But not only that, but we're enemies. We're hostile. We're at enmity towards God. We are objects of God's wrath. Objects of the very wrath. And and the Bible teaches us that God in his infinite wisdom and knowledge, he has decreed that the non-negotiable penalty of sin is death. God has decreed in his justice, in his righteousness, that the penalty, the wage of sin is death, eternal separation from an absolute holy God. That the wages of sin is death. All have sinned, all fall short, all miss the mark, and that penalty is death. And this is the good news, though, that God, by sending his son into the world, Jesus, he was sending the solution for our problem. He was sending the savior. first Timothy 1:15 This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You know when I read that, I think it's amazing. It's only by the grace of God that Christ didn't come to judge sinners. He didn't come to condemn sinners because that's what we deserved. You understand that, right? That's what we deserve. We have rebelled against God. We have rejected God. We have failed to give him the glory and the honor and the worship that he justly deserves. And the truth is we're an abomination in his sight. Our sin, our sin, our, our sin nature. And, and, and yet Jesus came. Sent by God the Father not to judge, not to condemn, not to throw us in hell, which he could have, which he probably should have. But he came to to save. He came to seek that which was lost. And through his death, through his resurrection, he justly provided. A way for mankind to be saved from the penalty, the power, and the presence of sin. Jesus provided the answer to our problem. And that answer is Calvary's cross. That answer is the death of the sinless son of God. That's the answer. That's the solution of our problem and that's the only solution that's the only answer salvation is only found in the savior jesus christ not works not religion not any prayer any sacrifice it's only found in christ jesus is the only propitiation for sin He is the only one who fully satisfied the wrath of God in his righteous demands upon sinners. Jesus is the only justifier of sin. The only one who can justify sinners and acquit them of all their sin in the sight of an absolute holy God. Jesus is the only redeemer from sin. The only one who can purchase sinners and free them out of the slave market of sin. And the Bible teaches us that the very ransom price, the very thing he purchased us with is his precious blood. Jesus is the only reconciliator from sin. He's the only one that can bring sinners into a right relationship in in a, a, a proper position. With God. It's only found in Jesus. Salvation, propitiation, justification, forgiveness, redemption, reconciliation, regeneration, adoption. It's only found in Jesus Christ. And we receive it all by placing our faith and trust in Him and submitting to His. Lordship. I'm going to ask Jonah to to come up here. And this morning, if you have repented from your sin, you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, demonstrated by submission to his Lordship. Know this, know this, family. Know this. Hear me on this. Jesus has given you such a great salvation, such a great salvation. Know this, that our salvation in Christ is infinitely great. It's infinitely great and grand. It's just a a, a great salvation. It's so much more than forgiveness. I don't want to neglect that. I don't want to deny that. But that's just one aspect of our salvation. Forgiveness But there's so much more that the Bible teaches us that Jesus has given us when we accepted him, when we submitted to him. He satisfied the wrath of God. He went in our place. And the wrath of God was poured out upon him in order that we might be spared from that wrath in order that we might now become objects of God's love, no longer objects of his wrath. He has justified us. because of Jesus I can stand before God, righteous, acquitted of all sin. Jesus has given me his very righteousness. Now when God sees me, he doesn't see mistakes. He doesn't see shortcomings. He doesn't see failures, but he sees his very righteousness of the son of God. Jesus has redeemed us. Jesus has redeemed us from bondage, from the slave market of sin. All are slaves to sin. All are in bondage to the things of this world. Their master is, Is Satan, but Jesus went to the slave market, he said, I'll I'll purchase them. And the purchase price was his very blood. The blood of Jesus was shed to deliver us, to free us from the power, from the bondage of sin. The very blood of Jesus. Jesus has reconciled us to the father what does that mean he means he's placed us in a a new position before god at one time we were separated we were alienated we were distant from god we were hostile towards god we were at war with god there was war going on because of our sin and yet jesus he grabbed our hand He grabbed God's hand and he reconciled us. He is the only mediator that can connect sinful man to an absolute holy God. And this is just one of many things the Bible teaches us concerning our salvation. And that's why in Hebrews chapter two, verse three, the author says, how shall we escape If we neglect so great a salvation, how are you going to escape? How are you going to escape the judgment of God? How are you going to escape the wrath of God if you neglect, if you ignore, if you reject everything that Jesus has done? How much more judgment are you going to deserve if you neglect so great a salvation? God is... He's jealous, he's zealous, he's passionate for his son, and the world is laughing at Jesus. The world is is neglecting Jesus. The world wants nothing to do with the Son of God. And here Jesus is is at the door knocking, knocking, wanting to bring salvation, wanting to save, wanting to rescue, wanting to deliver. And the world wants nothing to do. And the author of the Hebrews say, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How are we going to escape God's judgment, God's wrath, God's indignation? If, If we're laughing at Christ, God is zealous for his son. God is passionate for Jesus. And one day he will judge. All those who have neglected such a great salvation, such a a great salvation. How shall you escape? And and this morning, if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never submitted to his lordship, I I would encourage you to do so before it's too late. (laughs) Don't don't waste time. It's urgent. It's urgent nothing to think about there's nothing no reason to hesitate you just need to to run to jesus and find such a great salvation so so in closing who is jesus we've been trying to answer that question for three weeks and we've learned that the bible teaches us that jesus is god jesus is creator Jesus is sustainer, Jesus is Lord, and Jesus is Savior. This is the Jesus of the scripture, the historical, biblical Jesus of Nazareth. And the question is, do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? Have you received him as Savior? Have you submitted to his lordship? If not, I hope and pray that you will before it's too late. And I want to end just with this word if you do know Jesus, if you do have a relationship with him, if you have received him as savior, and if you've submitted to his lordship, continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of him. Dedicate every ounce of your energy, every moment of your day and every aspect of your life to bring in glory, honor and praise to him for he is worthy. Um, listen to this. Jesus, He's infinitely great. He's infinitely grand. He's infinitely glorious. Trust in Him. Depend upon Him. Get to know Him. Worship Him. Honor Him. Walk with Him. Be passionate for Christ. Be be passionate for jesus how's your relationship how's your love how's your excitement how's your passion for jesus i pray that this morning and and through this study that you are inspired to be more passionate for the king of kings and lord of lords more dedicated more committed more submitted to jesus have a passion for christ give your life to christ lose your life for christ make your life count make it count make it count for jesus every day when you're at work when you're at school when you're at home be passionate for jesus make him first Make him center, because it's all about him. And this life we live, it will soon pass, but only what we do for Christ will last. Who is Jesus? Jesus is everything you can possibly need or desire. And when you have him, you have everything. And if you don't have him, you don't have it stand and let's dismiss in prayer. But before we